Hi, everyone, and welcome to Women Who Travel, a podcast from Kind Ass Traveler. I'm Meredith Carey, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Lala Ericoglu. Hello! As social distancing and self-isolation has dragged on, Lala and I have found ourselves turning to the world of wine for comfort. This week, we wanted to tap two experts to teach us a little more about wine and the travel that can be inspired by a glass. And so we're joined by Shanika Hillix, Influencer Marketing Manager and Women Who Travel Contributor. Hello. And Helen Johansson, owner of LA's coolest wine shop, Helen's Wines. Hello. Thanks for having me. Before we get started, one disappointing caveat for this week's episode, we're recording at 10.30 in the morning for some of us and 7.30 in the morning for others. And so not many of us are buzzed, but this chat is surely going to give me ideas for my trip to the wine store later this afternoon. I also want to say that there have definitely been moments in the last three months or however long this has been where it's been like 11 a.m. and I've had a bottle of wine in the fridge and I'm like, could I just pour myself a glass? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> while I'm working <laughs> I mean no judgment Zero. exactly the rules are different now and you know when I'm thinking of like changing of habits I've actually really noticed that my own wine choices have changed during quarantine probably because I haven't been going to bars and restaurants as much and kind of scratching that itch there I've been buying much nicer bottles and experimenting in ways that I haven't before and I say this as someone that knows very little about wine um, and so I'm interested to know Shanika and Helen, as two people who do know a lot about wine, how have your tastes changed in quarantine? Have they, or have you been turning to similar things for comfort? Absolutely. I can go ahead and jump in. Um, I would definitely agree with you, Lale, in terms of expanding my palate and not waiting for uh, those special occasions where you might have put a bottle in the cellar or waiting to crack something open for a milestone event. And I definitely, to your point, Traditionally, I think when I would go to bars and restaurants, I would know the go-tos in which I could pick off of a wine list. And I loved drinking that specific label at that place because it was just an enjoyable moment for me. Now I'm definitely expanding um, my exploration in terms of palate, even understanding maybe some new regions that I may not have explored before. Um, If I can do a little show and tell, I will. (laughs) One bottle in particular that's really got me excited and kind of... Never would I have thought I would get a bottle from here. This is a Slovakian label. It's actually really chillable too, which I love during the summer. And so it reminds me almost of like venturing out into a barnyard and enjoying that morning um, taste and smell of like fresh earth. And I can sense that in the glass. And I love that I can still have that kind of journey in my mind with this bottle. Also from a region I would have never expected. I'm so on board with that. Also, I love that wine too. Struck off is the truth. He's amazing. (laughs) And it's literally exactly what you described. So I was just transported, even though it is 7.30 a.m. I'm I'm ready to be with Zad. I'm like, get me to his farm. I agree with Shanika so much. I think that, and both of you, like everyone's experience is their own in COVID times. And in whatever times we're living in. For me, having a wine shop that never closed, we continuously were bringing in new inventory and we always like to have diversity as far as regionality and grapes and expressions and wine make it like, it's so important to show so many different soils and textures and energies and vibes. And what's been so exciting during 
quarantine is that people have really opened themselves up to exploration more and have become more open-minded and have been like, okay, I normally just do Sancerre. I love the Sauve Blanc, but maybe I could toe dip into another grape varietal that's going to get me excited. I got one of my regular clients hooked on Primitivo from Puglia made by Valentina Pasolacqua, which is a super light expression, but like dude, she loves it. And I'm like, it's my favorite and it's chillable. I mean, we can get into that. Just chilled reds. It's a thing. It's summer. But I think wine has the total ability to transport you because of the wine. It it seems that Shanique and I both love, which is (laughs) from a place and expresses that place. And that's really important. It's so funny that you bring up those wines made by Valentina because they're the wines that I have discovered during quarantine and have become like absolutely obsessed with to the point where I have written a story about it. And I think one of the reasons why I've become so reliant on it is it like really transports me because it's so earthy and like tastes like a place in a way that, again, as someone that doesn't have a particularly like developed palate, um, I was like, it felt really easy to do and I was like pleasantly surprised. You know, you guys were mentioning a couple of the wines that you've been leaning towards and Shanika, you just showed us a bottle, but what other wines have really been getting you personally through this time or you've been experimenting with? Yeah, absolutely. So in addition to discovering new labels, I really do love to go back to things that I enjoy. You know, if it's not broken, you don't need to fix it. And so outside of wine bringing you back to place or allowing you to explore a place, I also think about the people in which I met or got to know via a bottle. And one of those wines, more show and tell, is Love Drunk by my really good friend, Andre Mack. Um, He is based in Brooklyn, but produces his wines out in Oregon. And I'm such a fan of Oregonian Rosé. The label too is just so fun. And I think in quarantine right now where my apartment is both my restaurant, my wine bar, my gym, my spa, having things that appeal to me on all sensory levels is super important. Wine does that in itself, but lately I've been just reverting back to like really fun and funky labels. And and I think this one is definitely a representative of that. In addition, there's a little story behind this, but when I was first getting into wine, like super hungry to learn, wasn't contributing to any publications and just had like a little blog page on my .com. I remember seeking out specifically black winemakers um, to highlight because at that time I wasn't seeing them in the press. Um, And so this was my attempt to kind of fill that void there. And I remember Googling just like (laughs) black winemaker US and Andre being one of the first people to pop up. And I cold emailed him and at the time, he's like, well, why don't you come out? Uh, you know, I'm based in Prospect Leopard Gardens and invited me in his home, like sat me through his home, had amazing music playing, and then literally tasted me through all of his wines. And Love Drunk is one that continues to be one that I return to, not only just because it's rosé season. I actually think having rosé throughout the year is something more people should do. It's great with takeout. So if you're supporting your local um, restaurants, I find it to be a super easy thing to drink while you're enjoying food. Um, But yeah, Love Drunk from uh, Maison Noir, for sure. I love that wine too. 
I, I have it. <laughs> two for two, Helen. <laughs> we have it on our shelf right now. It's so, I love Andre. I think Maison Noir is dope. It's, his wines are great. He has also two levels of wine, which I really love. Like he has this really fun casual and then he has these like crazy elevated, like Burgundian style wines and I love it. We're so in sync. I love this. I'm in sync. Um, I, I, um, I agree with going back to the classics. I got like early quarantine. I mean, I was going to work every day. So that was my own type of quarantine weirdness, like driving through the apocalypse of empty streets. And like we stayed open. We were fortunate that our restaurant did to go. Like we were able to sustain the wine business went a little nuts, as I'm sure everybody could understand. But I went back to like, my first love, which was Burgundy. And I was like, I just want white Burgundy. So Chardonnay. Um, but some wines I've been really excited about are from Switzerland, Domaine Charouche, which is like high elevation and they're growing Sauvignon for white wine and Gamay for red wine. Um, I've also been really into like weird Italian wines, unusual Spanish wines. I've been trying to dig deep into what is being made in the United States because I think that's something that is a, a blind spot for me. I love California wine. I love Oregonian wine, but you know, there's people making great wine in Virginia, some, okay, let's say not all, but some, <laughs> um, but another thing I've been into in quarantine is like small, I don't like half bottles generally, but small format cans like wild Ark farms is making delicious sort of piquette style wine and cans. Krista Smith is making wine with co-sellers. It's like a sort of cider and wine. It's like fruit, alcoholic, but I can't remember exactly how, but she's awesome. That I just direct order from her for my house because there's no distribution of it. And she's my girl. I love her. But so that's something I've been into. Just, hey, crack a can. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> shower shower can wine shower wine, I've done it. Shower I've done wine. It. so i went from burgundy to shower can wine <laughs> given that quarantine or at least at the beginning of it i think it's probably a bit different now but people were kind of trying to use the time as a moment of self-improvement or discovery or just to sort of like hone a new skill or hobby which i'm sure for the most part has dropped off most people's radars at this point but um you know, I think there probably are people, I'm sure, who are like me trying to experiment with the wines they drink and learn about it a bit more um, and travel through that. And I would love to know how both of you, Shanique, you touched on this a little bit with your Google search, but kind of started to dip your toes into the wine world. And when did it become like just something that you ordered in a bar or at dinner um, to something you were actually like immersing yourselves in and making your careers or part of your careers? For sure. Um, I come from a small town in Florida called Apopka. It's about 45 minutes outside of Orlando. So our fine dining scene is, is nowhere near to what New York or California or Chicago is. 
But throughout my time in high school and college, I served all throughout to make extra cash. Um, I started out at like a sports bar local to my town because it was super easy. And when I went to college, I loved the flexibility of serving, but I knew that I needed to like up my tips. I had just gotten an apartment and I just wanted to lean into something that I had fun with, but I needed to make a little more money. And so my first foray into understanding that wine could be consumed with food and enjoyed in that context was at actually a darted restaurant but it's called seasons 52 and it is where you can in my hometown have a nicer dining experience and because um as the restaurant name implies the menu was changing seasonally um every other week and then every season and then during those trainings we would have the sommelier on like a video conference just taste us through the wines that he was excited about if a guest were to ask for this specific dish what we could recommend and so when I started getting tested on those uh, pairings and, you know, what would you give someone if they asked for the cobia today? Like those types of things really helped put on that level of thinking. And then obviously having access to the bottles at the end of the pre-shift, being able to taste and chat through. And so that was something that had gotten me excited, super entry level in terms of palate. Like my favorite wines back then were Pinot Noir and Sauvignon Blanc, <laughs> but yet and still, um, I was still able to understand like, wow, just because Pinot Noir is this one varietal, like look at California and all the various um, ranges at which this uh, grape can be, can create a label. And so fast forward, I had um, graduated, moved to New York and again, eye-opening that you could work in hospitality without always having to be back of house or front of house. Um, and then I just merged my degree in like English, my love for marketing, and then really started representing wine from like a PR perspective. So more trade relations, more grand tastings, understanding uh, the three-tier system, like super geeky stuff foundationally. And then from there, just continued, started going out and, and asking for the sommelier, like chatting with him to say, hey, I'd like to spend this much. Here's what I like. Um, and being comfortable in that. I think, you know, pre-COVID times, that is still an area in which people don't always take advantage of just conversing to the sommelier in a, in a conversational way. And then from there, um, just reading a lot, uh, definitely wine Bible type of uh, introductions. And then um, getting to know the people behind the wine, I would say is my kind of last answer to that question. So those uh, foundations were really what got me into wine and what keeps me here for sure. Yes. What if I was like, me too, exactly the same. <laughs> oh my God. We're the same. No, um, I was always obsessed with food. I mean, I grew up in New York City, which was amazing. But there was always like this obsession and draw to restaurants. And when I was in college, I needed to make some cash. And I started working at like this fast, casual bistro-y restaurant. And actually the hierarchy there was so insane. I like was like busting a move and not really making any money. So I wanted to push myself, work at a better establishment, something more serious. And so this was in Madison, Wisconsin, where I finished school and I was like, I'm going to work in the best restaurant there. And it was this fine dining farm to table restaurant. My first day I dropped an entire tray of Rydell glasses. So, you know, it, it, shit got real, real fast, but they had this incredible wine cellar. It was the first time I ever had Riesling that wasn't sweet. Like that wasn't, you know, a sweeter style, a dry Riesling. And I was like, Poosh, whoa. But for me, the love of wine came first 
and foremost from the love of food and restaurants. And when I got to Los Angeles, you know, I tried working. I worked at Kraft first with Tom Colicchio, and it was just a really no harm to Tom Colicchio. He wasn't there. It was just an impressive environment where I was not given the opportunities that I was working very hard towards. So in my mind, I was like, okay, there's like only men in this industry basically right now because it's like 11 years ago. So I got to go do this quarter master sommeliers to show that I know what I'm talking about. And that sucked too because I tried it and I did two levels and I was like, this is so homogenous. This is not open-minded. This is, you're going to tell me how to dress, tell me how to stand, tell me how to look like, and tell me how to taste wine. And that was the thing that really bugged me the most. It was like, there's only one way to taste Albarino. Um, but I quit that. And my business partners gave me an opportunity that I'm very fortunate to have been given. And that's where I really ran with the wine. And I like Shanika, it's all about when you have a passion, you can self-educate yourself on anything. You can carve your own path because you're feeding your mind with the facets of that topic that really interest you. And for me, it was food and wine pairing. Why do I go to so many restaurants? And this was 11 years ago. It was before like the foodie movement was just starting where I'm going to eat this amazing food. And then you're going to serve me like a hot glass of Tempranillo that's like over extracted. Like that shit was starting to piss me off. So that's really how it all began. Just uh, wanting more for the diner and wanting people to kind of get out of the comfort zone and break those boundaries. And here we are now. And it's, you know, it's still evolving. There's still a lot of work to be done, but it's great. Yeah, I kind of want to touch on something that you both mentioned, because Shanika, when you said, when you go to a restaurant and you talk to the Somme, you said he, like talk to him about this. How have you guys seen women in the industries, I guess women's role in the industry change and you know, you said there's more work to be done. Like, what isn't there yet? Ooh, all right. I'm going <laughs> to inhale, exhale <laughs> on this one. I will say it's been interesting being in this body in the wine space because I have often always been the only. I think, especially right now, we're starting to see more and more narratives come out where that has been the case. And through that lens, that in itself is is a problem. <laughs> but I think we have a lot long way to go in terms of being able to provide opportunity. I think Helen, you had mentioned something. Your business partners gave you an opportunity. I was able to serendipitously kind of merge my experience and my degree in marketing and like, okay, I really got streamlined and focused to ride that kind of wave. But I often am discouraged by not seeing black and brown people lean into more or lean into more of these positions. And I often question who is affording them those opportunities, because as we know, unfortunately, uh, we aren't the gatekeepers in, in the hospitality space. And I would even argue specifically for wine. Um, do I know amazing black winemakers? Absolutely. But there's something to be said about someone who wants to get out in the vineyards and produce versus someone who truly wants to get from the sales side or the ambassador side out into the front of the house and being able to consume and present wines in this way. I agree. I think it's kind of a broken and fractured structure, the wine community from, it's less, we could just talk about like the American wine community, I think, as far as how it's set up is 
from land ownership to being able to source grapes to the affordability of being able to grow grapes and wines to being in the service industry, I think there's been barriers to entry for a lot of people. And the people who have not had any are mostly white men. And that's who have dominated and controlled a lot of the wine industry. I mean, that's pretty much it. And that is the structure that needs to be fissured and reevaluated and built back up to be more representative of the people who are actually so passionate about wine. And I think that has been what's so amazing. You know, for me, I've been like the only woman in so many rooms and I can speak to that as being the only one like Shanika was saying years ago where it's like, okay, all these guys are tasting wine. We're all talking about it. That feeling is sucks, you know, because you feel bullied and you feel like they're all agreeing on something. What if you had something different to stay? I think that the wine industry has changed a lot, but mostly because of people who literally have given zero fucks and are like, I'm just going to do this. And that goes across gender, race, but it's not enough, you know, and it really needs to change more. And there's people like me and some of my peers who are in retail, hospitality, who we need to do whatever we can to open barriers to entry and create opportunities for other voices that are, you know, just as valid, if not more important than people who have been taking the state, like taking all the voice for so long. So I think it's an exciting time, but it's not fleeting. You know, this has to be continuous and like, it's something we need to continually talk about, think about, it's really important. Otherwise, it's just going to be what the quartermaster sommeliers was for me 10 years ago, just like hom homogenous, robotic, and not interesting, I think. This is a question that we usually leave for the end, but I would love to know what female psalms, winemakers, influencers, wine store owners, you guys think people should be paying more attention to, um, who might just be finding their voice or are speaking to a specific audience. Or I will say have been doing the work for a long time and maybe haven't been afforded the platform. Um, I think, you know, in talking about kind of travel and women, I think one person, I had the opportunity a couple of years ago to work with Wines of South Africa as an institutional client. Basically, if you, if, you know, you're garnered, you garner these funds and the access and you can push your wines forward if you're produced in the South African region. And one of the interesting things I had found while I was going through and tasting through all of the various labels is like many of these winemakers are white men. Like where are the Africans in South Africa making wine? And one individual who I had the pleasure of meeting and who I really enjoy um, her wines is Nitsiki Baeya. She is so smart, um, so graceful. Her wines are an expression of not only the terroir, but I just think a point of difference still, even South Africa, like when we think about that region and, you know, they experienced apartheid not very long ago. I think there are also those racial historical implications as to why there aren't more people like her creating wine, but um, she has a range of wines called Aslina. The red blend is, is one of my favorites, but I really do enjoy her labels. Another person who's not on the production side, but a writer is uh, Julia Connie. So Julia, when I talk about kind of being one of the only people in the room, I would say often I would see her 
and she's amazing. She's based in the DMV, came from beauty and then transitioned into wine, um, really knows her shit about champagne and now is uh, just created an awesome resource called Black Wine Professionals. I think influencers, it's interesting in the wine space because even I myself uh, working in wine and in influencer marketing, people often confuse sommeliers, people who have their certifications as influencers. And yes, they are, but they're in the trade. And so the decisions that they can make, the access that you might have is very different to someone who creates content almost exclusively. And I really am excited that she's created a platform. One, I think to educate people a little bit on what that means and to really showcase that there are professional individuals who are black African-American who are ready to teach and to learn and to grow. And so I'm very excited to support her and see where that recent project uh, goes in, in the near future. Yeah, Julia Connie is amazing, and I'm really excited as well to see and support however I can, and um, it's incredible what she's doing. I mean, there's there's a lot of people I would say support. There's one of my former sommeliers, her name's Lindsay Williams. She has a club she started, it's called South LA Wine Club, and she has become this like lightning rod for hosting tastings in South LA. And she is incredible. She's like, was a nurse and doing this on the side and then working for me. And I was like trying to hire her full time. And she was like, no, I'm a nurse. And <laughs> there's a lot of back and forth. But she did a lot of my wine events. Um, and she's incredible. You know, she really has this very beautiful voice when it comes to talking about wine and the passion just kind of overflows. And she is doing something really amazing and super serious. So that's cool. And she's just at the start which is amazing. So it's like, it's amazing to support people who've been working really hard to get to a point and then keep supporting them. And then people who are just starting out. I always think about Los Angeles first. I think locally before nationally, I don't know why. Cause I'm like, there's a lot of change, even though we're in the LA that has to happen. A woman I know named Sydney Love, she's like this beautiful wine writer. Um, she's worked in wine and her perspective is so spot on. She has an article that just came out in Wine and Spirits magazine and it's like, it's awesome. And it's uh, talking about California winemakers growing white grape varietals specifically to then macerate and make orange wine. And that is just so fucking cool. Like I was like, that is a really awesome article. She's rad. I mean, one of my closest friends in wine, Daryl, she owns Peoples in New York. Gotta give her yeah. a shout out. Gotta support I will Daryl. say, these are Peoples. Peoples has been my go-to. The wild card is amazing. Anybody in New York needs to do it. <laughs> she is the best. I met her in Sicily. Uh, we The first day, we were like, who's this girl? And then we're like best friends. So I gotta support her because... You know, she took a chance and it was a real similar story to mine. And she called me and she's like, I got offered this deal. What do you think? Like more women asking women what they think. Is this a good deal? Should I do this? You know, that really opened my eyes too. is like, is, are these guys taking advantage of me too? Is something that why we need to talk more and, and share more. She's rad. So we will link to that story that you mentioned. Um, but I think when we were talking earlier about people getting more adventurous, 
I went into a local Brooklyn wine shop the other day and the way it's set up, I can't like browse like I usually would because I'm somebody who fully, like fully judges a wine by its label. I like really am just like grab the ones that look pretty or cool or weird and then like hope for the best. Um, and because I couldn't do that, I walked in and I said like, I want your weirdest wine under $40. And they were like, okay, cool. And they brought me a Yeti in the coconut wine, orange wine that was so great. But again, you know, obviously putting my trust in the people that know it best, but for people who can go through and look and grab things and maybe want to look beyond the label, um, what do you think people should look for when they go to the wine store and they're trying to be a little more adventurous or go outside of their comfort zone? I mean, look, good labels are irresistible. I totally get it. Like they're cute, they're colorful, or they're just like, they look good all together. Like I have a lot of customers like, oh my God, these labels are cooler than me. Like, I don't know. I've had a few people say that. I'm like, they're just labels. But some of my favorite wines have like, I'm like, you need to get a designer because <laughs> this label is so 1995. Um, like there's this wine maker called Zeman and they make a Mosca Bianco and it's like, it's like grandma. It's so bad, but the wine is so good. So I, I see both sides, like obviously retail vanity, like you want people shop with their eyes, but I've tried to, you know, balance that. We don't just buy stuff for the label. It's got to taste good. There has to be a story an intuition, a vibe, because there's some labels that are great and the wine is just like absolute crap or it's deeply flawed natural wine, which is something that, you know, a customer would not know. And then they open it and it's like, they don't know what excessive VA or terrible mouse or like this wine has bottle shock. It shouldn't be on the shelf. You know, that's, that's like asking a lot of the customer. So as a retailer, I try and just really make sure the juice in the bottle is really good and then hopefully the label can like correlate but be careful <laughs> with just buying <laughs> off labels <laughs> even though they're fun and so good for Instagram right I guess <laughs> Meredith have you had any disasters I mean like I'm sure in college I was like "Ooh, this looks great and it's twelve dollars oh god when um, I was in college I used to buy this white wine that was two for five pounds I mean just I mean, the purpose wasn't to like enjoy the wine. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, not nothing recently, thank goodness. Um, but I think I found myself, I think previously being self-conscious about not knowing a lot, I would just go in like head down, like look at the labels, be like, oh, that one's cute. And then like walk to the front and leave. Um, and that's now, the hard thing with natural wine too, is like, there's no information. Right, like none. classic wine. I like both. Like I like it all, but there's a lot of cool wines that they're not really telling you much about what's in the bottle. There's no AOC, DOC, like it's just Vonda France. And so how mm -hmm. would you intuit what the grape is? I mean, we're asking a lot in the wine industry. Like that's why yeah. you need wine professionals and writers and. For sure. I'd love to piggyback on um, Helen's response. Also, I'm going to co-sign people's cause so I had started right at quarantine their uh, wild card selection. You know, you'd say, hey, I have this much to spend and tell us kind of what you like, similar to the wine shop experience. But I think one thing that I really like to do outside of just speaking to varieties that I've enjoyed, um, regions that I like to explore is also I've recognized how much of a contextual drinker I am. Like if I am out 
by the water and it's super hot and I'm having seafood, like I want a wine that I'm going to enjoy regardless of maybe if I've never heard of the grape or not. And so with peoples in particular, I really enjoyed, I think I had told them like, yeah, I want something <laughs> like I'm topless on the beach. Like, what do I get? Or like painting that picture. Um, and so also another thing that you had mentioned, Helen was like really unique, uh, grapes from Spain. So closing off with one more show and tell. So this is a really fun label. It actually is pretty, it's like kind of fun. This like cricket has a newspaper in his hand, but it's called a uh, Creek Creek and it's made from a hundred percent Shirello grapes, like X-A-R-E-L period L-O. So definitely not something you could spell correctly in a spelling bee, but super fun um, from the Penendez region of Spain. And like, do I love Spain in terms of like, Tempranillos and, and uh, Vioras, absolutely. But um, this brought me back to like, I had traveled to Barcelona when I studied abroad and I, it was the winter season and it was finally a time where I had, like got to see beach and I had really missed home. Um, and so it brought me back to just being able to like stick my toes in the sand, feel the sun and it not be totally, um, you know, just an amazing memory that brought me back and just having this wine and tasting some of that acidity, um, it being really hot here in New York the past couple of weeks uh, was something that I was able to experience and also ladder back to that description that I had given them. That was nothing about region, nothing about grape and more so just this is where I want to be or where I envision myself right now. So I feel like the answer to the question then is like not find a good bottle of wine. It's like find people you trust to tell you the right thing (laughs) for sure on the subject of places that we would rather be right now when travel starts to kind of come back into our lives where are some of the places Shanika and Helen that you want to travel to for the wine when you can so I have for the most part really enjoyed exploring more U.S.-based wines, Helen, you had mentioned that before, but I like wine shop and bar hybrids. I know Peoples is one of those, and I actually have yet to have the opportunity to go to them in real life, so it would be really nice to (laughs) go there. But also, New York aside, in Charleston, there's a great place called Graft Wine Shop. Uh, My friend Femi actually is one of the co-owners has great taste in music. He always creates playlists that I love listening to oftentimes while enjoying a glass of wine. And I have yet to venture to Charleston. Um, so I would love to be able to go there, obviously explore the food scene, but pop up at the bar, grab a seat and have a glass for sure. I can't wait to go to People's too. I haven't been. The last time I was in New York was October. And I was supposed to go in March. My, I haven't seen my family and I'm like so proud of Daryl. So I agree. I'll meet you at the bar of people's. Yeah, um, let's meet up. I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> I want to go there. I would like to go to the Canary Islands. Um, it's really high on my list. It's been really high for a while. But I mean, travel is now such a luxury. Like just thinking back, I traveled a lot last year and kind of not traveling. I really, what Shanika is talking about really resonates with me is what is here that I want to do? What is within these states? There's so much culture and richness that like I haven't experienced. And I have heard a lot of amazing things about a lot of amazing places. So I'd like to do that. There's a lot of winemakers I want to visit. 
in the United States. But yeah, Canary Islands. Is there anyone particular in the Canary Islands, just again, because I am a rookie, uh, that you want to go visit? I mean, Envinate would be like the dream because they're the best. Um, and I love their wines so much. Uh, but I also like a guy making wine there who used to work for them. It's EQN. So there's a bunch. I mean, there's it's it's a crazy volcanic environment, too. And one of the most impactful visits I did was going to Mount Etna in Sicily, which is like this crazy volcanic soil influence. Like you literally see the dried lava tears and you're just like, like crazy. I was on the moon, but it was not the moon. So yeah, I think that, I mean, I've, the list will go on y'all. I could just keep going. (laughs) (laughs) I think that feels like a good note to wrap up on. Forward looking. Yes. Positive. (laughs) Helen, if people want to keep up with you and potentially, you know, follow this trip to the Canary Islands whenever it comes, where can they find you on the internet? Totally. So you can find me at Helen's Wines on Instagram. And then you can also go to my website, which is helenswines.com. And we are full e-commerce site. We ship nationally. We have a wine club. We got all kinds of cool stuff going on. And there's so much stuff I'm working on that's coming. So follow along. And if you want to learn about wine, I have a podcast. It's called Wine Face. And it's super rad. So that's it. Helen just followed you. Um, (laughs) I am on Instagram uh, at Shanika Hillocks. Just my government name as my handle. I also have a website. Also down to just chat. I feel like I definitely have not been leaning in um, collectively in terms of discovering mine. I've had my own self-study. But if you want to explore, feel free to slide in my DMs. And I'd be happy to do so. So that's me. Uh, definitely take her up on that. You can find me at Oh Hey There Mare. And me at Lale Hannah. We will link to all of the wines that we talked about in this episode, as well as that article that Helen mentioned earlier. And you can also see some of the things that Shanika has written for us at womenwhotravel.com. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at womenwhotravel, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.